your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? It's really, it's really awful. Do it to it, brother. This is uh, the the Lutheran stuff, no drama, no drama podcast, and I'm Pastor Hoffman, and with me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Blessings and peace to everybody. So we're back, and it's been a while. We've both had a break here, and we're doing what's called a Bush League break. That means that we got busy in our other vocations. But that doesn't mean we don't love doing this show, because we really do. And we're really excited to see how many people were stoked about us uh, putting out our podcast again. Um, For those of you playing the home game, uh, we're going to be picking up today with uh, 1 Peter, and it's going to be chapter 4. And I think even though it's it's a shorter chapter, there's a lot of meat on that bone. So I think that's what we'll do. We'll start in and I'll, I'll read through it. And if, again, if you're playing the home game, we like to read out of the Lutheran Study Bible. And uh, so if you're following along, that's great. Pick it up. Here we go. Chapter 4. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in, with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So, as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, And they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks of oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, 
you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Amen, amen, amen. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So we have, um, we have something interesting uh, to be talking about who we are and even to, be, uh, even to be thought of as those who are stewards of God's grace. Um, and we begin off by saying, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So, as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Now, if you want to take a passage out of context, here's your passage. I found it. Because um, we find that, the, remember, the, remember the German Reformed who believed that they didn't sin anymore? Yep, and well, I think we prefaced this back, uh, back when we started, is we're taking this back from the Reformed. Yep, and uh, to, we're we're showing that 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 Peter is really the original old old G of Bush League. So. <laughs> he is the Bush League OG. <laughs> he really is, though. Um, you look here, and um, you see you see that uh, a lot of people try to stop. They say, "Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin." You know, by oh, I'm sorry. Arm yourselves with this way of thinking, right? And they stop there, but. Um, Peter doesn't like end the chapter there. He doesn't even end his thought process. Um, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Well, if you read chapter four, you know that ceasing to has ceased from sin doesn't mean that the person never, um, makes a mistake ever again. It means that as we get down to the later chapter, I mean, verses that we'll talk about, is you stop acting like every day is a Roman holiday. Yeah, and let's do Paul's language and just take out the word has ceased from sin there. And, and it, you know, you insert what Paul would say has ceased from, from the flesh. Like yeah. Appeasing the desires of the flesh. That's in the immediate context. And, you know, going back to the, the beginning... Uh, as Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Yeah. Like, do that. Like, you're going to suffer. Like, prepare your mind for that. Right. You know, and what, what are you suffering with? Well, this battle of flesh and spirit. Right? And, and that's in the immediate context. You're going to suffer uh, against what the flesh wants versus what the Spirit is driving you into, which is Jesus. Well, right. And this is how we're reclaiming this text, because of what you just said. Any other reading of this, of somehow perfectionism, 
is pushing Jesus away from you saying, I got this. And then we don't got this. Um, you know, it is, you know, if we're, if we're not being pointed at Jesus, um, then we're seriously making a mistake here because Peter can't even start off the sentence without saying, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. Okay, we now have our focus, our central action, uh, arm yourselves with this in, with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh. So he's talking about now, did, did Jesus swoon or die? Well, he died. And so when you say you arm yourself with the same way of thinking, man, this is saying die to the flesh. And um, don't be a don't be governed by your passions as far as the fleshly passions go, because he points out some serious uh, examples here in verse three. So uh, from from the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions. So there's the flesh right there, man. So it's not like Peter and Paul are preaching a different gospel. It's not like they're preaching a different word. So definitely the word flesh fits just fine there. Not to mention because Peter said it too. It's the antecedent. Well, and and um, I like what you said when you said, obviously, you died to the flesh. And this is Paul in Romans 6. Or do you not know that all you who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Yeah. We, that we died with him. So, the, I mean, it's, the meaning is this. Like when you were baptized... God killed you, man. And then he put his spirit in you, not only to to put you in Jesus for your salvation, but that we may live new now as the as the uh, confessions, as Luther teaches in the confessions, not all in the in the third article of the creed here in time and then there in eternity. Yeah, that's excellent. So I think. <laughs> I know if we try to if you try to twist this around to being something about just being a good person, you're robbing this Bible book of the blessings of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think you're even um, like you, of course, Romans six when you start talking about the baptism, uh, which again, Paul Paul points us right to it, and Peter, of course, would do that. But um, being dead to this stuff is the work of Christ. Again, you're not just um, 10 easy biblical ways of being a better person. No, you have to look at the cross if you want to see what the source and the center of all this is. Yeah, and, you know, if, if you're looking at this book in, in, in the way that you just described, like lawless uh, or lawless, uh, sinless perfectionism you're actually committing lawless idolatry and it's not like i mean the chapter before peter just said baptism which corresponds to the ark now saves you yeah right so i mean that whole death and resurrection thing is not like it's it's far away he's still writing the same letter man right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so if uh, this is why I think there's so much that, and and, and again I, I don't mean to I don't me blow my own horn or blow our yours and my own denominational horn, but when when we're taught and we're raised up to believe that 
we interpret scripture through scripture, then it steers us clear of so much rampant idolatry of um, looking at the Bible as just a, a self-improvement tool, which is ridiculous. Well, and Pastor and Hoffman and I were talking before the show, too. You know, if you're reading something in Scripture that, that you don't understand or it might be a new concept to you, you don't just go say, hey, look at this new teaching I have. You actually go and you, you discuss it with other clergy and professors and, and people who have studied. You check the, the fathers and see what they have to say first. And that's how the church works as far as doctrine is concerned. Pastor Hoffman and I are just sitting here giving you commentary that we kind of just snatched up. It's because better men have taught us, right? And, the, and then the, the Holy Spirit has worked through this teaching, through word and the, the teaching of those who have gone before us to enlighten us to the text. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, walking on the shoulders of giants is how we get along. So, Bush League all the way. And, um, and so, by the way, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15, And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So, we start to get a look at saying that um, when Christ talks about this death, you know, his death, make no mistake, the sins he brought on the cross with him, was the sins of every kind of worldliness, every kind of idolatry, everything that the um, Antichrist is standing for. Um, that's all what went to the cross. This is why this is why Lutherans can talk about doing good works without becoming idolatrous with it, without becoming um, uh, you know pagans. Basically, is because we can look at the cross and say, yeah. That is dead. That is dead to, um, to the flesh right there. And um, every time those sins of that, they're taken away. Why do you take them away? Well, they don't, they're not supposed to be any part of us. So there's no well, reason. And, and well, you, again, man, with that died and raised language, you will not find it outside of baptism. And, that, uh, and, and maybe for new listeners or those who aren't familiar with Lutheran doctrine, uh, the scriptures are, are playing on, on baptism being an application of Christ's atonement to your account. So it is a means of grace in which God gives you Jesus. Absolutely. I mean, and that gets into, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't survive. We don't make it without Christ's grace, without his means of grace. And so whenever, uh, we talk about grace. Um, it's it keeps us far away from the misinterpretations of First Peter four. So it's always pointing us to the work of Jesus Christ for us. And baptism is a good example of people misunderstanding. Well, didn't I bring him up there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and this kind of stuff. And I'm just thinking, what a you know. You must think you do everything well. Didn't I ask him for forgiveness? So didn't I just meet him halfway? I'm like, yeah, you need to sit down. <laughs> Here's your helmet. <laughs> so, well, yeah, yeah, and, and I'm going to piggyback on that. Didn't Lazarus being like, well, did I come out of the tomb when you told me to, Jesus? Yeah, had I not responded <laughs> appropriately? <laughs> didn't I get up and walk out? 
Yes, I heard your voice and I accepted you and came out. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's not how that, that I works. Think just be like, you look, look, glasses, go, go back in the tube. Just, yeah. just go back in the tube. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we we get a good look. And by the way, during this time, what Peter mentions here is not something that is uncommon. For the Gentiles who live in trying to be sensuality, meaning to look and beha behave in a provocative way, trying to look sexy, trying to always be projecting sexuality, passions. Hey, this is what I'm. This is what I'm into, and passions of suffering as well. Um, drunkenness, because passion, you know, means to suffer, and um, and drunkenness orgies, drinking parties, lawless idolatry. You're, he's just going, look, this is the world around us. I mean, when we look around the world now, are we going, wow, we live in such a different society. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, and it's, it's kind of weird because um, Christianity is a means by which God brings um, hope to the hopeless. It isn't a, a social movement. And I think a lot of people, and especially, uh, and I, and I'm very, I'm very patriotic American, but I think a lot of American Christianity is almost based on just self improvement and social movements, and so, um, you know, it's going to make me better, so we're going to use it to make everybody else better, and truly, a, a God fearing society is a more orderly society, but it's not a perfect one. So I mean, because. Christians are saying, yeah, we know we're sinners, but um, it's uh, the truth of the matter is, is it's God actually coming to bring forgiveness for all sinners and um, these broken people. And they're surrounded in the Bible. You see it and it's true now. They're surrounded by godlessness. And so he brings that light. He shines the light of Christ into the world and through the gospel and the sacraments the light is is heard and received and believed. Amen. This is Jesus's teaching in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, or close to it, where he says, "You are the light of the world." Well, what does light do? <laughs> it it points right. It illuminates something. What is the something the Christians are illuminating? God's word of law and His word of gospel. Yeah. We're illuminating Jesus. Well, I also like how the light is going to shine on all evil, and it's going to reveal it for what it is. Um, so when he clicks the light on, all the cockroaches <laughs> are like, whoa. Well, he gives the answer for that, right? He's like, no, it does that, and then push it, puts it under a bushel, right? A yeah. A basket. <laughs> so. Yeah, you don't. I, I, the church is, is this this beacon of light and 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 people say oh there's no evidence for god's existence well how about me and pastor hoffman just like doing this podcast together and and, and all of that from totally different backgrounds you know and then totally changed by this message right that, oh, yeah. that has changed our heart through the spirit you know that hey you're a sinner and you need jesus and you know all this revelation of course there's evidence yeah well, you know, you just, 
You just said what I said to the third and fourth grade religion class today. There was a really neat book that was studied, the CPH book on uh, the religion book. Um, and they showed this map of where uh, Israel is and where Palestine is. And, and the map is kind of highlighted with a magnifying glass. And I asked them, I said, when you look at this area here where this is mainly going on, how big of an area is that compared to the whole globe? And they're saying, wow, it's, it's actually pretty small. And I said, yeah, that's right. How much of an impact has this had on the world? And, and you know, one of the kids is saying, Christianity has spread across the world. And I said, is everybody a believer? And they said, no, but God keeps, and they're like, but God keeps sending people out across the whole world. And I said, now imagine this. This was done a lot. Most of it was done before radio, TV, internet. You know, these people actually put their shoes on and walked there to say, hey, buddy, I want you to know something. And um, and so this is not just some, some uh, you know, uh, not just some crackpot internet scam. So it's... Exactly, exactly. And, and the, you know, th there's so much things... I mean, I don't want to get too far off the text because I will get off into the weeds. But, you know, the women <laughs> in the bush fighting, <laughs> I, I guess I'm in the weeds. I'll get lost in them, I think. Um, you know, women finding Jesus. Nobody would have uh, believed a woman, you know, at, at the in uh, the first century whatsoever. You know, all the things that God aligned. Uh, the missing body of Christ. You know, this is what I teach my apologetic kids is, is our faith reasonable? Is it a reasonable faith? That doesn't mean that, that, that we uh, use a magisterial use of reason, but is our faith reasonable? Is it based on facts or not? Because if not, then we're idiots. But right. no, it's reasonable, right? Well, it is certainly to the when understood as as jesus said by when through the holy spirit to say that okay i want you to see this and and hear it and trust it and then the more i study the scriptures and i get people really kicking back on me on this because they they when you when you're done making excuses for god you find out that the dude works pretty consistently and and so when he's being consistent and we're thinking he's inconsistent it's because we're inconsistent and he's so consistent we're like no he's over there now he's over there and we're running right we're running all over the place and um and he just keeps moving forward and moving forward and the way that god works is consistent and jesus jesus keeps revealing this to the pharisees by the way and um you know when they were like well it must have gone he's like nope you're off in the weeds <laughs> so i uh, love it not, he goes if you're not going to believe my words at least believe all the miracles you saw yeah right well even if one should rise from the dead one some won't believe and so uh and jesus goes but here's what you get this is how it works and um he even says he's going to send his spirit He's like, I'm not even asking you to accept me. I'm saying, here's the deal. Here's reality. 
you send the Holy Spirit and you've got some people that all they do is they, they war against it. But, well, and that, that's Stephen's uh, sermon in Acts where he says, you know, he goes kind of through the whole Old Testament, you know, in a very hasty, quickened way. And he says, uh, you know, the, 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 the Pharisees are, are rejecting the message again. And, and he says, you stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did in the wilderness. So... Here's the thing, God's not forcing you to believe this, but he's not giving up on you either. Right. So we have um, so we have this whole point out here of him talking and saying, you know, if you're wondering what uh, ceasing from sin, he doesn't he doesn't point he points directly to the world around him, doing what they want to do, what the Gentiles want to do. Well, I mean, when you're talking about the other nations in context here, the other nations were the ones that didn't know the true God. And of course, in the New Testament, we see that, especially Paul, he goes out and says, well, <laughs> here you go, Gentiles. But Peter, very Jewish Peter, is saying, look, here's what the Gentiles are doing. That's not us. And um, and so, with, so he says, which... With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. So they're like, how come you're not doing this? Everybody's doing this. I mean, it's like, it's like, how come you're not being uh, more worldly? And, and they start to look at them. Isn't that an interesting, that was an interesting witness for the early Christians. Not just browbeating some guy, but them going, no, that's okay. I'm going to go over here and be a godly father to my family and that kind of thing rather than just being a party animal. Well, and it's weird to see the shifts in culture too because when I was in high school, everybody was homophobic and now it seems like, like everybody's pro L, B, G, D, W, X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. Everybody was homophobic back then, but then as culture sways, you sway with it. At least the Christian here is consistent, you know, with with the same worldview of, hey, don't do this, not because I don't like you, but because it's bad for you and your neighbor. Right. Uh, you know, and, and I don't want to pick on one sin, but, you know, that's kind of a prominent thing in culture right now. And, I mean, Chick-fil-A just stopped i guess giving money because of you know the pressure from which i just think the whole thing's ridiculous uh you can pressure me all you want i'm not giving an inch i'm prepared to suffer with jesus well sure because he always even says that this suffering this life is temporary so so he points out a really good thing but it's like and then they're really surprised that you don't do it and then not only are they surprised what do they do they malign you they're like well you know that zach he's he's not partying with us he's over there and he's apparently worshiping he's uh being being a good husband he's being a good father he's helping his neighbor and they're like what a nerd you know and and so it's just say look you've a lot of times people love to invite you down into the sewer 
And um, because it's, it seems less stinky when a thousand people are there going, no, that's what stuff smells like. Well, Zach does have a special gift as far as, okay, I might be a nerd, but I'm a nerd that can out-squat you. Yeah, I'll pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll squat your Volkswagen. So... <laughs> But, but you, know, you will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Yeah. You will give an account. How about that one? Well, again, this is a hard thing to say because um, uh, for every for everything, and we even say this, and boy, do people hate knowing this. They hate hearing that uh, even in our, our, our Athanasian creed, about giving an account of those who have done evil and those who have done good. And, um, and he gives this account among the living and the dead. And, you, you know, the living are those who believe. He's not going to look at the living and go, did you ever do anything wrong? And, and the living is going to go, of course, Lord. And, I, and it, it's nailed to the cross. And the dead are going to start listing all the awesome stuff they did. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, that one time when I gave that bum of $5, yeah, he bought meth. Oh, and um, so, you know, there's, when you give an account to the living and the dead, this is also showing how judgment works. Judgment works in two ways, innocent and guilty. And so the account of those who were sinful and justified, he's going to look and say, Yep, I see Jesus. And then he's going to look at the dead and they're saying, look at me, look at me. And so he said, okay, I see somebody who is far away from me. So, you know, more sacramental yeah. language. Yeah, and not only that, I, I love how our reforming fathers parsed every confession with, we're ready to give an account to Christ for what we say on these matters on Judgment Day based on, you know, the holy testimony of Scripture. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if that's not the most Lutheran thing you've ever heard in your life, you know, I'm ready to give an account for this. These are people, this is really what should be thought of as faithful. I don't care who you are. If you're not ready to give an account for all that we believe, and you can't call yourself faithful or confessional or whatever special word you want to use because this is what we do. We are going to give an account for this. The Reformers, Luther has given an account for it. And um, Chemnitz, for the example, those guys. And um, it's a God-pleasing confession of faith. It's something that comes from the Holy Spirit to say, that Christ alone is our hope and our salvation. Scripture alone is where this is made readily apparent to us. And faith uh, through grace alone, this is how we have this salvation. So that's that's the kind of confession that I want to be um, entrusting to. Uh, that I stand before God saying, yeah, I'm an imperfect mess up, but... The confession of faith is, but my Savior isn't. Well, and and exactly, Jesus has the parables about you know those who plead guilty and those who plead innocent, and and the difference there. I mean, if you're here's the problem: if you're not guilty, you have no need 
of a savior, right? Mm -hmm. But if you are guilty, if you are pleading mercy, God is merciful. And he's mm -hmm. merciful because Jesus already paid your penalty. And it's, yeah, if you think you're not guilty, he's going to say, oh, really? He's going to say, pay up then, sucker. Yeah. Here's what you owe. Well, that was the that was the one year lectionary gospel lesson for last for this last Sunday, was the the steward the that um, his his master uh, freed him from ten thousand uh, talents, and um, he went and choked out his fellow buddy who owed him ten denarii. <laughs> and Man, you owe me three bucks. <laughs> <laughs> throws him in jail. And I mean, the point of the matter is, is in both cases, and I like this, in both cases, you found a debt that was unable to be paid. And um, the, the master says, I forgive you, even though he wasn't asking for that. He was asking for just let me languish more in my poverty and, and try and pay off this debt I know I can't pay. And the master, having compassion on him, said, no, I'm going to forgive you this debt. And so not only is he not getting sold, he's not getting, he's not getting thrown into jailer's prison, he's free. And he's a member of the household of the master. And he's out, hey, that guy owes me 10 bucks. And so, um, and he says to him, I, I can't afford it. Well, it doesn't matter if it's 10,000 denarii, 10,000 or 10, if you can't afford to pay it back, you can't afford to pay it back. Both required mercy. Amen. And you know what? You reminded me of Paul right now. He says, well, some people are going to say, as they slanderously reported of us saying, so I'm going to insert this. People say, are you saying that our forgiveness is dependent on how we forgive? In a sense, we are going to make that claim because the Lord makes the claim but it's not your work of forgiving it's your faith because faith will forgive yeah so when we pray forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us faith is going faith received is going to be faith or, or grace received is going to be grace given if you're not forgiving somebody, it, it's usually a, a grace problem. You, you, you might be leaning on the law instead of Jesus. Right. Well, and that's something we have to be seriously aware of. Um, so as we move in here, um, give an account, right, for this is why. Now, here he goes. Boom. This is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. So that's why church isn't just for, um, okay, this might sound weird, but church isn't just for Christians. Church is, church is for, and I'm talking the gospel being heard and preached. You don't just talk, like Zach doesn't just talk to people who love Jesus about Jesus. Zach's talks to people who are in front of him. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care. You know, and when I'm out, I don't care who it is. I will I will share Jesus with you. I don't go, hey, wait, first, before I have this conversation with you, do you love Jesus? 
Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I wanted to talk to you about Jesus. I don't have that conversation. I'm like, here's the deal. And if they're like, well, I don't believe that. And I'm like, well, that's okay. We can, we can, uh, we can keep giving you the good stuff until you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and that's, that's right. I probably spend just as much time talking to unbelievers as I do believers because people are going to go to hell, you know, apart from the preaching. It's not that I can convert them, but this Holy Spirit has limited itself to means. That is the preached word, baptism, and the sacrament of the altar. That is ways that God uh, applies Christ to your account. And again, you know, as you're saying, we have to talk to our neighbor in, in whatever vocational situation, no matter what comfort level. You know, it helps if you're like me and you just go get a whole bunch of Jesus tattoos. <laughs> you know, because... <laughs> You're doing a lot of preaching uh, just just from what you're wearing, and sometimes there's some good um, conversation starters. I only have one Jesus tattoo, so when we so as he's going here, first of all, and by the way, I'm going to put a link on this when you go to our um, when you go to our nodramalutherans.podbean.com. I'm going to put a link to something about this next passage, or this upcoming passage I'm going to read to you. Um, that's something that C.F.W. Walther uh, wrote on. But it says in verse 7, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who served by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, by the way, in verse 8, C.F.W. Walther wrote something incredible about love covering a multitude of sins, he starts off the paper by saying, most heresies come about when pastors are embittered with one another. And um, he thinks that, you know, these pastors who are, and he's talking in the church, these pastors um, who are so interested in, in being right and being theological giants, they forget about who they serve. And... I mean, even Arius, uh, I know he was trying to say, look, here, I'm trying to give you something good, but he left the trail, and so he's wrong. I don't care how good it sounds, wrong is wrong. And so, and I'm not, so I'm not just talking about Lutheran pastors, pastors from all the way back, um, when they forget that uh, showing love and mercy to people is is more important than coming up with the new theological uh, treatise for the week. So I will definitely put a link to that. I I love I love that and I love Walter. So I appreciate you bringing that in. I want to touch on seven for a minute because a lot of people get this wrong. So when when we say the end of all things is at hand, therefore. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Yet that doesn't mean work yourself up into a frenzy like, 
I got to be more self-controlled or sober-minded or God's not going to listen to me. (laughs) That is not at all. I I mean, it's so easy to get lost, you know, if you don't have a guide. And this is why God gives you pastors and, I don't know, bush leaguers on the side, you know, to to help guide you with with some of the words. You, You know, if you're not focused on the main purpose of, of life, which is Christ crucified, starting from there, you know, if you, if you begin to lose focus there, what's the thing that was going around a lot lately? The, the more you miss church, you miss church. Yeah, the more you miss church, the more you miss church. That's Peter's point here. Is yeah. When you're focused on other things and you're not sober-minded, you're not in the Word, you're not going to church, your prayers are hindered because your spiritual life is decreasing. Because you're not praying. You're not doing, you know, you're, you're not leveling up at the altar, uh, getting the medicine of immortality that you need to continue to fight your flesh and the, and the world of what do you say over here? Debauchery and uh, lawless idolatry. You're right. Um, there's definitely. Um, I just found the article. I'm going to post this on our um, Podbean, and I'll post it on the. I will post it on the um, NoDramaLutherans.org. A link to it because um, he begins. Many heresies have arisen simply because pastors became embittered with one another. So now Peter's statement is to be understood thus, love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers the sin of our neighbor. That is, even when resentment occurs among Christians, love still bears all, willingly overlooks things, yields to the neighbor, endures and bears his faults as a brother, and does not look sharply at all faults. I mean... It is a very pastoral thing, and so um, be sure to be. If you don't, if you don't go directly to Podbean, go to NoDramaLutherans.org, and the link will be right there for you. So, did, did we tell the papists we're taking Peter back too? Oh, I. <laughs> we we told the countess they they love to harp on the whole love thing, but they get it wrong. They say, "How can love cover a multitude of sins?" Well, Jesus loved for me, covered all my sins. So. Yeah, and when God says he's love, then you have to, uh, you have to see that that's his work. That is his, that is his, that is his work, his good work. So, um, his mercy triumphing his judgment is, is good news for us. Absolutely. Where is that? Okay. Okay, let's see here. So yeah, without love, without love, without, and again, this is all God's working in you. So get to church so that you can say, it's like, I I like to use the analogy of a car battery. And church is the alternator, man. You can't just let faith sit in the cold weather because the battery decreases. You have to keep it charged. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, being away from God's word is is just extremely dangerous. It is. It's dangerous to be away from the word and the sacraments. That's. There's no. I don't think there's a oh, another word that better describes it. It's to say that you know, hey, you uh, you're completely, 
you're completely in danger because, for example, the third commandment, um, we shall remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not uh, despise preaching or his word, but hold it dearer. Uh, and gladly hear and learn it. In other words, when you're just sitting at home going, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, what you're doing is you're going, why, what is it about church that you don't want to go? Is it is it because you're trying to get away from the word of God? I mean, what's going on? I mean, let's let's have a moment of being honest. You know, uh, when you when people make such a big deal out of saying, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, I know, but Christians go to church. <laughs> so, you know, it's you know, it's the word of God. It's Jesus that makes you a Christian. And then you should be in where he promises to meet you. So that's just a cop out. And it's like it's just um, it's just a postmodern cop out. Well, and I would totally say, yeah, you do, because you can't be a member of the body of apart from the body. Yeah. Right? This is Paul's whole argument. So if, like, you're the hand and you're off somewhere else, like, you're not a member of the body and you're leaving the the rest of the body to suffer. Well, if, like, you, got, if that, you got your hand... If you got your hand cut off, it would live for a little while. But it's not going to survive without the vine. You know? Jesus exactly, is the vine. Exactly. And so... It's going to die. And so when people in this hand is sitting there and it's twitching out, people going, see, it's fine. Well, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> for now. Well, I'm going to insert this for everybody. Be nice to your pastor. Be nice to Pastor Hoffman. And tithe, man. Pay the man his due. He's out here working for you guys. And I'm going to go a little little law heavy on this just because Peter is on the text. So we're sticking with the text because you are regenerate, because God's giving you so much. You don't understand how much pastors put in. Everybody thinks, oh, well, he just works Sunday morning and, I don't know, Wednesday night. Yeah, right. After all the shut-ins, he's done, and then the funerals that arise, the weddings, uh the devotion to the text so that he's equipped to actually exegete it properly on Sunday morning. Be nice to your pastors. Ask what you can do to help. How about that? Don't complain anymore at the church until you've asked, what, what am I doing to help the church? Thank you for saying that. And I must say that I am extremely blessed. This congregation here is, um, they're wonderful. You know, I've, I'm not one of those pastors that, um, wakes up and dreads it. You know, even though I have a school, a growing school here and, um, a, a neat ministry and it's busy and it's crazy, um, I wouldn't trade it. It's wonderful. So I do love, I do love being a pastor. I love doing devotions with the teachers in the morning. I love teaching religion, um, four times a week. I love um, uh, Bible studies and I love preaching and I love visiting people. I love, I'd like about 17 more hours in the day, but you know, I just, I do love what I do. Um, so now, uh, as we get in here, speaking of suffering, um, when 
St. Peter is going to start going into, you know all this stuff I'm talking about? Do not be surprised. And he calls them beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Now you've already mentioned some of this, but the fact of the matter is the world we live in, um, what's popular right now, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying I'm speaking for everybody's heart, but what I'm saying is if you turn on the news and, and heck, if you even look at my TikTok account, you're going to see that, you know, every godless and lawless thing is in vogue. And if you happen to speak against it, you know, you'll get either OK Boomer or you'll get um, you're so filled with hate and why do you hate everybody and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And the truth of the matter is that's just the words. Then you've got the other people that are actually violent towards people who will not go along with societal norms. So um, it was happening in Peter's day. Literally, they were being hung to crosses. Peter would eventually meet his end that way. And so um, I don't think he was surprised. And, um, and if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So if somebody... If you're not being a jerk, now remember, some people think they're being insulted for the name of Christ, and in reality they're being insulted because they were just being a jerk to somebody. But um, for the name of Christ, speaking it in love, if you're if you're insulted for that, then you know what? That is a blessing because you gave something amazing to somebody for free, and um, and it's something that you know they get upset over because it is good and it is free. Amen. And when we talk about fiery trials, you got to understand how a Jew that converted to Christianity after seeing the resurrected Jesus used words, you know, 2,000 years ago. Um, we're not changing words, but we're going to help you understand them because the evangelical kind of view, man, we're really getting out. We got on the Calvinist, the Papist, now the evangelical. Uh um, the, the, the fiery trial, well, you know, when the scripture talks about uh, fire, you know, this is like Paul in Romans 5, we rejoice always in our suffering, mm -hmm. knowing that suffering produces patience, patience, endurance, endurance, hope, hope does not put us to shame because God poured a spirit in our hearts through Jesus Christ. Okay, so when we're talking about a fiery trial, what does fire do? It refines you, it purifies you, right? Like when when metals are put through the fire, it's to refine the precious metals and get the dross burnt off. And that's, you know, God uses these fiery trials in your life to help sanctify. Sometimes I'll be really, I'll be having a hard week or two. And then I'm just like mad. And then it just gets harder. Okay, something happens. I break my phone. I rip my pants, whatever. And, you know... Or, or one of my kids gets sick or, you know, the whole family's sick and I break my phone and rip my pants, all of it on top of each other. And then I'm not as mad anymore. I just start to smile because I realize my hope is not here. Mm -hmm. It's in heaven, right? None of this matters. And, and that fiery trial is producing hope. Like Paul says in Romans 5, you know, Peter is, is speaking the same 
thing here. Well, anytime, and what you're doing is you're showing, hey, you know what? I don't, you don't have an idolatrous view of your things. You know, I mean, it's to say that, you know, okay, I admit I was mad. I confess it. <laughs> this isn't my, this isn't my deal. I just, I'm still a, a, I'm still a sinner who is justified. But that's, that's your point of clarity right there is to say, you know what? This isn't me though. And um, just because I, I, I did need those pants or whatever, but um, it's to say that, you know, being repented away from that is the is the idea and um so definitely absolutely yes i thank you for clarifying i guess i didn't i didn't say that um but no yeah that's the thing is that our, our identity is not in our stuff i would argue though i do need my books don't burn my theological books because those those point me to jesus um that thing is not idolatrous other than that you know uh, what really matters at the end of the day is that my family has faith that they're that they're taken care of right and that and then I can go meet my neighbor's needs after I've met the first needs of those that God's put in front of me absolutely and even and here's a kind of a promise that comes with it you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you in other words they're saying look man I know this guy came off hard on you but it's because it's because the the Holy Spirit has given you words that his old Adam can't endure and and but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler yet if anyone suffers <laughs> <laughs> it's funny he's even got to write that well why are you in trouble well I stole a bunch of stuff and I'm suffering for it what'd you steal ten grand and then I went over to the 7-Eleven, I took their stuff, and then the cops got me. So now I'm in jail. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going, um, yeah, that's actually where you belong. <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing the problem here. I love it, is a meddler. A meddler. <laughs> a meddler. Everybody highlight that. Highlight uh, the word. Don't I mean, be a meddler. How many meddlers do we know? I mean, it's crazy. Everybody's always up in everybody's business. And and it's, you know, not for the purpose of bringing them closer to Christ, but to get in the scoop on the latest poop. And I'm just going, oh, my goodness. And I love how he brings that in there. A murderer, like eh, a thief, or an evildoer, or a, or a meddler. <laughs> I don't well, think... And, and well, Think about it, though. Look, this is how depraved we are. We're like a meddler. Well, that's not as bad as the others, right? Yeah. What does scripture do? It puts it right on par with everything. <laughs> and that's why, that's why I can make the confession, I'm mad, uh, because I'm not trying to self-justify, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm, like, I, I'm mad, but I have no reason to be mad. It's like, um, oh, yeah. have you ever, you've seen The Princess Bride, right? Oh, dude, absolutely. When the albino turns the, or Count Rugen turns the, the, the machine up to one, and then he turns it off, and he goes, now tell me, how does this experience for you? And he just starts crying. It doesn't matter. <laughs> There's like <laughs> one or ten. It is, you know, it's the most horrible thing in the world. And um, and so when people are looking at this, trying to decide is the is the torture device on one or is it on ten? And uh, I'm just thinking of this. And so 
And if anyone suffers as a Christian, then, unlike those other folks, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment um, to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So, um, and of course, he finishes off with a, it's an, actually a proverb. Um, and if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So that's, that's from Proverbs 11.31, where he says, If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? <laughs> so Peter, Peter just kind of boom. And therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Now, here's another one. When you say you're suffering according to God's will, it's not like, I've chosen you to be, uh, Zach's going to be uh, suffering. It's to say that when you suffer because God's will is that all men be saved. And so here's Zach sharing the gospel with somebody and they get mad at him. Well, that's it's because of God's will that they're mad because he's giving them the good stuff. And so people always want to go, why did God do this to me? <sighs> okay, let's start over. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah, no, so. no kidding. So that's the thing. When I break my phone, I rip my pants, I fall down the stairs. God didn't do any of that. Adam and Satan did, and then I joined in the party when I was born. Well, even blaming um, it on God is, is Adam still going, yeah, I'm still in control. You know, I just want one free shot at Adam before I walk into heaven. That's 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 part of my flesh still talking. But I'm like, can we get like until until the last day? Can we get him like in the stocks just and get one good head of lettuce? You know, I think uh, I think you will, and, and I think God will reveal to you because you might have been a baby. He will reveal to you the day of your baptism when you socked Adam right in the jaw, or Jesus did. And um, so you certainly have gotten in an amazing shot. <laughs> so because in baptism, we do find that. Um, uh, but like Luther says, he must be drowned daily because Adam is a good swimmer. So he's oh, always he, he's a he's an endless, vicious contending little booger, isn't he? He is really. And um, but again, us recognizing that gives us the hope of of going, you know what? I see what you're doing there, Adam. I see it. And that way that you're telling me to go is obviously the wrong way and repenting, turning away from that. There's Christ. So recognizing that, not trying to pretend like I heard on. A, yeah, every now and then I, I, I slum and I turn on the quote, local quote Christian radio and the guy says, I want you to hear what so-and-so said. And, and the way he put it, I was like, wow, that's really new. And I'm like, here comes heresy in three, two. <laughs> yeah, and um, he said, yeah. you're not a sinner. You just misunderstand your identity. I'm like, what the? Uh, and even my son, Brant, who was here earlier uh, before we started recording, he was sitting there looking at me going, what? <laughs> what? What are we listening to, Papa? And I'm like, nothing. Turn it off. 
<laughs> so <laughs> we were just like, wow. Because as soon as, here's the greatest trick the devil can give you, is spiritual self-esteem. To say, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. And <laughs> the devil's going, yes. Because <laughs> then somebody who thinks they're good doesn't ever need God. Well, well, and we'll give you guys a, a Bush League pro insider uh, look here. It's not that if you see yourself as getting better and better, you're getting further away from God. Uh, the scriptures always show the more that God is revealed in his purity and his holiness and his truthfulness, all these characteristics of, of God. What you're going to see in yourself is more unholiness, uncleanliness, untruthfulness. I mean, think of Isaiah. I have seen the Lord. Woe is me. Right? He, yep. He's going along. He's doing everything pretty good. And then he's like, I've seen God. Somebody help. Help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and let, let's look at Paul. Paul's like, I'm a righteous Pharisee. I'm going to get these punk Christians. I'm a, uh, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees and a Hebrew of Hebrews. And then Jesus is like, boom, blind. <laughs> who, who, who is it, Lord? Who is it? You know, so you go from this bold murderer to this, who is it? I can't see. Yeah. Oh, look, you humility. <laughs> well, I'll tell I, I you. Or Peter, when he says, Lord, I'm not going to let you go. He's like, Peter, shut up, dude. Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Right? Like, you do not have the things of God on your mind. Uh, he does now. Obviously, Peter does after the fact. And he wrote us this wonderful epistle by the, the Spirit. Yeah. But you're going to see your, your depravity more because you see what true goodness is. And you realize, wow, I'm not that. And then you beg God, let me get some of that. And he says, here you go. Have my son, Jesus. Well, if that's not the answer, we're in a lot of trouble. Um, and so, you know, this is a really short verse. And I think we've found a lot of meat on this bone here. And uh, by the way, uh, Lutherans, no drama Lutherans. It's awesome. As you may have guessed, Zach and I love doing this. We love bringing you... Bush League Bible Studies, and um, because we're always just going to shoot straight with you, and we're not going to um, we're not going to go into theories and things like that. We're going to go with well-established, strong Christian doctrine, and so this is, I think, why the Lutherans love us is because we're not here to show each other how smart we are. We're here to show you how awesome God is. So. Um, as we uh, as we close out for this episode, I just wanted to say again, thanks for listening. And this is Pastor Hoffman for Zach Lesher saying, uh, God bless your week. <laughs>